You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, an Apple a Day Public Health Inquiry Podcast, or PHIP for short. The aim of this podcast is to show that public health is more than infectious diseases and health guidelines. Throughout the series, we'll get to know some of the people behind public health. In each episode, we invite a public health professional to share their career journey and experiences. Stay tuned to the end of each episode, as we also include a segment on some of the best places in Kingston to promote a greater sense of community and we play a song recommended by our guest. My name is Tiffany Harianto, and I'm a Master of Public Health candidate at Queen's University. I graduated from the Bachelor of Health Sciences Honors Program at McMaster University, where my honors project included making research on music and mental resilience more accessible to the public. As someone with a musical background, it's important to me to raise awareness on how we can apply our interests and passions to promote health for everyone. I'm also the program intern of the Beyond Words program at Union Gallery, which provides a safe space for students and members of the Cataraqui Kingston community to use art and conversation to promote wellness. I'm excited to co-host the podcast in Apple a Day. Through this podcast, I hope listeners will gain a deeper understanding and appreciation of public health. And I am Peyton Bailey. Like Tiffany, I am a student of Queen's University's Master of Public Health program. I have an academic background in physiology and microbiology, while personal interests include infection prevention, youth engagement in public policy, and the use of mass media to facilitate health education. I am delighted to work alongside Tiffany on this podcast and to learn more about the diverse areas of study and implications under the realm of public health science. I consider this podcast an opportunity for listeners of all backgrounds to gain a new perspective of health and how it intersects with various aspects of our society. This is Episode 1, Art and Mental Wellness. In this episode, we'll discuss how art can benefit mental wellness and be incorporated into general health policy. Joining us today is Melanie Gray, an Indigenous art therapist who incorporates Haudenosaunee culture into her art healing practice. Melanie graduated from Queen's University in 2016 with a Bachelor of Arts with Honours in Art History and Indigenous Studies. She went on to complete her graduate program at the Toronto Art Therapy Institute, where she graduated in 2018. Melanie facilitates engaging sessions in the Beyond Words program, hosted by Union Gallery at Queen's University. These sessions use art and conversation to provide a safe space for people to discuss their health experiences. So, Melanie, could you tell us more a bit about yourself? So my name is Melanie Gray. I live and work in Tyndanaga Mohawk Territory. I grew up um, close to the reserve and moved back onto it when I was about 11 years old. And since then, I've just continued to learn and grow in understanding who I am as an Indigenous person, um, as a Haudenosaunee um, person. And it's become a really core part of who I am and how I engage in the world. That's very cool. Thanks. And we read about your thesis, actually. Oh, yeah. It sounded really interesting. Could you tell us more a bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So... Like I said, um, the principles of, of my culture are really important to me, and it really sits within my heart and my understanding of the world. So when I was doing my postgrad program in art therapy, um, I 
began really trying to think about what I wanted to do my thesis on pretty early in the program, um, what kind of specialty I wanted, what what did I want to do. And at the beginning, I was looking at um, youth in um, corrections. And then I realized that maybe there, are, uh, there were other ways that I could um, work with youth in corrections, but not just specifically with youth in corrections. I kind of wanted to look at how can I support clients and my community from a place of um, culture and even a little bit of language as I've began to reclaim language, which is a really slow process, but I use it where I can within my work. Um, So I was just thinking about um, a lot of uh, teachings that I've gotten over the years and how for for us or Haudenosaunee people, the Ohandagar Wodekwa or the words before all else or the Thanksgiving address. It has a couple of names. But um in our language it's the Ohandagar Wodekwa. And we're supposed to say that prayer every day because it's a prayer of gratitude and it's about creating relationships with the things around us. So everything in the natural world, because it's all we need to sustain ourselves, is like right in the natural world. Mm-hmm. So when I think about sustaining myself or like sustaining others, we sometimes think only physically, right? But really it's mentally, mental and spiritual sustain, sustainability as well that we have to look at. So it fit really nicely with what I was learning about art therapy and using the arts for healing. And I thought, why not explore that more and more in depth? So I took that Ohandagarvadekwa, that basis of everything in our culture. And I used that with my thesis and I created like an eight week program about self-discovery, self-exploration and self-worth around that, uh, that prayer of gratitude. Oh, that sounds very cool. Actually, before we explore that program in more detail, could you teach us how to say that? So I'll just give, I'll give a a bit of an example because it, it takes a while, um, to say the prayer. It's quite long, especially in the language, but basically it's just listing all of these things in creation or in the natural world that we're grateful for. So, so basically what I just said was um, we want to give our thanks and gratitudes to the birds and we bring our minds together as one. So the other idea behind the Ohandagar Wadekwa is we bring our minds together as one so that we're walking with a good mind and we're all giving gratitude. We're all in that same peaceful space after we've said it. So it starts with, we actually start with the people. That's the first part of the Ahandagar Wadekwa. So I would say the people. And then we move into the earth because the earth holds us and it, she holds everything else, um, all, all other parts of creation, except for the things that are up in the sky. And we move into the roots of the trees, the water, the fish, the bug. Like, we even say thanks for the bugs. And I always like to laugh about that because I'll say even the mosquitoes, everybody always gets a kick out of that. Because it's like each part of our ecosystem, like our ecosystems, even the smallest or most annoying parts, like mosquitoes, have a purpose. And we still need to be grateful for that. I think that's really beautiful and an amazing way to reclaim Indigenous language as well. Thank you. I would love, Melanie, just uh, if possible to hear a little more about maybe particular individuals or experiences that really got you interested in art therapy. 
Yeah. So I'm going to be a little vulnerable and say what got me into art therapy was, um, well, part of it was just being the art kid growing up. Art was always just something super important to me. But when my mom got sick with cancer when I was in my first year at Queen's, I really leaned into art and I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. Like, it just felt good to create art. It felt like it was a way to process what was happening, but I didn't really have those words for it. So I remember, actually, a good friend that I made here at Queen's, who's still friends, um, we worked summer jobs for the Faculty of Engineering, and we were driving to a powwow because it was uh, Aboriginal Access to Engineering in its early days. And <laughs> we... Um, we were driving and I was telling her like, you know, oh, I've really been leaning into my art. Like I've been using it a lot to try and like work through stuff with my mom and like her being really sick and like all of those things that were happening. And she just says to me, she's like, oh, that sounds like art therapy. She just says it super casually. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, tell me more about this because I had never heard of it. And so she told me a little bit about it. I looked it up. I immediately was like, this is what I want to do. Like this makes so much sense for who I am. And it just, like, I've always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to bring my education back to my community. And I thought, how gorgeous is it to do it in this way? So um, that uh, that conversation with Jillian was actually a catalyst for me to start taking some courses before I graduated um, to be able to get into this um, post-grad program. That's awesome. Yeah. Could you tell us more about your journey with art therapy and what led you into the work that you're currently doing? Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I chose, um, like after Jillian had mentioned this to me, like this idea of like art therapy, um, as a profession or as this thing that I could do with my life, um, I really just ran with it. So I took some courses or some actual art classes, um, in Kingston with a local artist and just to like get better at, um, get some training really behind art because I had to create this portfolio to get into um, TADI, which is the Toronto Art Therapy Institute. And I also had to have like psych courses and, you know, an undergraduate program, which was fine because I was already halfway through that. <laughs> but uh, I did a lot of prep work t um, for about two years before I even had to put my application in. I was about two years out from it. And for those two years, I knew I was working towards this. And and during that time, my mom did pass away. And one of the things was that she always did encourage my art and my creativity, like always. Um, even when I was a little girl, like she used to get us like these big boxes of like random art supplies and they were like the best thing ever. I'm probably remembering the boxes like the size of a fridge, but it, they were probably much smaller than that. <laughs> but in my like little kid brain memories, it's like these huge boxes and I was, they were always my favorite um, present. And so it was kind of like, you know, this makes sense for me. It makes sense for who I am as a person. I'm very creative. I'm very like artistic. I am still creating art on a regular basis just for myself. Um, and as well as professionally, but I just knew that it was like, it just, it's like it fit like a piece into my heart where it was like, this is something I want to do. And when you think of Indigenous people, we are such creative people. Like they're like, not only with like visual arts and, you know, we have some beautiful painters, we have um, potters, we have all of these people who do so many different um, types of art. But we also have people who are keeping traditions alive through art forms. We also have people who put their medicine into art. Um, 
like Rebecca Miracle in, in Tandanega, she is um, a medicine person, but she also creates art, and that art is meant to be medicine. So it takes it a step below, like a step further than just the beauty of art, and it takes it into that level of like the physical, the mental, emotional, like spiritual parts of ourselves. And for me, that's really gorgeous. And it kind of really makes sense that it sits within my heart so well because I've always been an arts, artsy person. I'm very sorry about your mom, but I think it is beautiful that she helped to inspire your love of art. Thank you. You mentioned that you may have unintentionally been utilizing art therapy, and you didn't really realize what art therapy was. And I wonder if maybe some of our listeners are in a similar boat, or maybe they are using art as a form of therapy. And so um, coming off of that, could you maybe provide a framework or definition for what art therapy is to you? Yeah, so there's kind of two forms. So there's art as therapy. So we think of like all of the fun adult coloring books and things like that, like just being creative and doing it on your own. And that's just, it's um, like self-care. It's it's in, like just doing something creative, getting that right side of your brain working. And then there's art therapy with an art therapist. And that is using, um, you'll learn, psycho, like it'll be psychotherapy alongside art. So you're getting the counseling piece, you're getting that psychotherapy piece, but you're also creating art. So it's for a very specific reason, and it's guided by somebody who's trained to do that. Um, so me doing art on my own, it was very therapeutic for me. Um, and so it was, um, it's, it was kind of art therapy, but there's a step further if you're seeing an art therapist. So there you get that psychotherapy element there. And do you have to be a, a registered psychotherapist to go into art therapy or to become one? Like what, what are the steps needed to become an art therapist? Yeah. So, um, basically you apply, there's a few, um, art therapy institutes in Canada. There's one in Montreal, there's one in Toronto, which is the one I went to, and there's one on the um, West Coast. I think it's actually right in Vancouver. Um, uh, there's also a, at Concordia, there's also a Master's of Art Therapy program, which is really great. But um, basically, to apply, and it's obviously it's been a while since I applied, um, you have to have an undergrad. It's preferred that you have done psychology courses, um, and uh, it's also preferred that you are, are able to create art in some aspect and form um, so that you, because you'll be guiding people in, in art making. <laughs> um, again, art also is very loose um, in like a, it's interpreted, interpreted different in different ways. Um, so I think that a line on a page is art and <laughs> that, yeah, I don't think that that's as important as like having some psychology and, and an undergrad. Um, I guess you bring up a, um, an interesting point with how art can mean so much to um, different people. How, how do you, I mean, when I think of art, I often think of like visual arts. Is, is that typically the approach you take or would like music therapy be something underneath the the breadth of art therapy. I'm just curious what the um, the limitations are to that definition. No, that's a, an amazing question for sure. Um, I think anything artistic, anything done with the hands, can be therapy. It can be um, art therapy. Uh, however, the Canadian Art Therapy Association would probably have a different definition. But because I look at everything so interconnectedly from that Indigenous lens, for me as an Indigenous art therapist, I think, you know, if I'm working with a, an Indigenous client, or any client, but most tend to be Indigenous, <laughs> um, 
we do so many different things and it all is incorporated into art therapy into that creative um creative healing so there are other like sects of um art therapy so there is like um creative arts therapies which involves like dance movement music there is music therapy that's like standalone things like that so um i would say it's all under this like idea of um creative art therapy really it's all creative it's all artistic so it's kind of a tough definition because it's like yeah it all kind of fits under this umbrella but it also is like very individual because there's specific training so I can't call myself a music therapist um or I and I and I wouldn't but I will do hand drumming or I'll create like I'll have clients create drums and we'll drum together so we're doing music therapy but I'm not a music therapist if that makes a lot of fun (laughs) I think it does. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm curious, too, because we often engage in art as a therapeutic measure, whether it's, for example, painting something on our own time, making our own music. And you described art therapy as taking that a step further with the psychotherapy element. Could you explain what might motivate someone to seek out an art therapist as opposed to only using art as a therapeutic practice? So there's certain people that would really benefit from it. So people who are already interested in art, um, but who are looking for that mental health component and a, and somebody to help them work through the things that are going on in their life. So anybody can do artist therapy. Anybody can enjoy art, and it can be really great. You can process things. But if you're looking for um, specific support around mental health, around um, processing emotions, working through whatever might be happening, then it might be a great a great thing to um, to try because talk therapy doesn't work for everybody. Um, Not everybody is, has the words to express themselves, but anybody can kind of draw or um, like flow with art. So it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a buffer between the therapist and the client. Um, So it's not so much pressure to just talk, talk, talk through everything. Because when we experience things in our lives, we're experiencing them very viscerally. We're experiencing like the five senses, like we're experiencing things. Um, we remember things in our in our minds as pictures, not as words. So it makes sense to kind of go back to this very like visual, visceral um, mode of processing. That's really very true. And thank you so much for explaining that. And I'm curious now, what does mental health mean to you? That's a big question. (laughs) Um, As somebody who has dealt with, like, I mean, we all have mental health, right? We all have, um, on some, it's a sliding scale. Uh, As somebody who's dealt with things in the past and obviously, you know, losing my mom and things like that, um, mental health is just so important. Like, I'm just such a big advocate for it, obviously, because of the field I'm in, but also just as an individual, as a human, like, We have seen so much change and um, shift in terms of mental health needs and like like the way that things need to change to support people's mental health now that we're like not I don't even want to say post COVID because we're still in it like it's still happening but like that has been a huge catalyst to be to creating a lot of concerns and like mental health for more and more people Um, and so I am somebody who talks very openly about mental health. Because I believe that that is how we get rid of the stigma. Because I don't want to see these barriers for people who need help and like want help but are afraid to do it because of you know um, that that stigma, really that judgment, that fear. 
um, I want to be a safe person that people feel comfortable coming to because it's like, oh, hey, like Melanie's talking about this on a regular basis. It's not anything like different. So like I talk about it almost daily because I have my own mental health. You know, even though I'm a an art therapist, it doesn't mean that I don't have my own work that I'm always doing. And I think it's important to be truthful about that as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it's really awesome that you're helping to fight the stigma about speaking about mental health. Thank you. I, I love what you say, Melanie, about mental health being something on a sliding scale. It's something that we're all experiencing. And and so I'm kind of curious, uh, how do you see the area of art and mental wellness growing in the future if mental illness, mental health is something that's so prevalent in society, but I think it's something that's also becoming more apparent with every year and especially with COVID. Um, do you envision a future where art therapy is more common practice in personal and health settings? Absolutely. I think that it would be so beneficial. Um, I think that especially for cases um, for, I mean, it's it, it's great for everybody, but I think it's already like I'm already seeing within this profession, more interest, more people being like, like, I'm looking for an art therapist. Like, I've had people reach out to me. And like from Kingston, like, even though I'm not like, I don't have my own private practice or anything, I have people reach out to me on a semi regular basis, being like, hey, we're looking for an art therapist, but there's only like two in the area. And I'm one of them. And I'm in Tyndanaga. And like I believe there's one in Kingston, there might be two in Kingston. Actually, there is two because one of my um, colleagues from my cohort at Taddy is in Kingston. Uh, and she's wonderful. But I see it um, kind of being implemented into um, elderly, like the, what it, oh, geez, now I lost my word. Um, like, I feel like a lot of recreation programs that look at art for fun are realizing that, hey, like, there needs to, there's like an additional element here, especially with like the rise and like the conversations around mental health. I think it's been, um, again, I use this term a lot, but catalyst <laughs> um, for some change and for some people to be like, hey, I'm going to look for something a little bit more for my staff or for the residents, you know, and old, older folks' homes, things like that. Like there's just this this need. Um, I have been reached out by like by schools have... Ugh, Schools have reached out to me about coming in and working with their students and teaching them about culture, but also employing that element of art therapy. And um, and I think it's really gorgeous. And so if I'm already seeing it, it's definitely there's something going on where it's like, hey, this is a really valuable thing. And art therapy in terms of um, an intervention for mental health or for, for wellness is, fair, is, a, is a newer concept. I don't want to say it's newer because I feel like it's been around for like millennia. Like we've always, like people have always been creative. I, I believe like I'm really seeing that there's some change and shift happening. I'm really excited for when it happens faster because I'm impatient. <laughs> but I really think that um, we'll see it be implemented in hospital settings. We'll see it be implemented um, in schools. Um, I, I really think it would be beneficial. I think it's really awesome and exciting as well, too, that we're seeing art therapy more and more in society now. So, for example, I'm aware that Queen's University recently hosted the Beyond Words program, which featured art therapy and where you were one of the co-facilitators. Would you like to share more about your involvement with the Beyond Words program? Yes. um, Beyond Words has such a special place in my heart because it brought me back to Queen's. 
you know, as a alumni, but also just because, well, mainly because it's just such a gorgeous program. Um, I began working with Fatou um, a couple years ago. We were doing, like, um, she reached out to me from the Union Gallery, and um, she's a program um, coordinator, and asked me if I'd be interested in, in doing this program. And we had many talks and thought about what it would look like, and um, it was for BIPOC students. But uh, we started out doing Beyond Words virtually because of the pandemic. And again, I think there was just that recognition that, hey, the students need something. Like there needs to be something to support mental health as we're navigating this pandemic. Um, And, you know, some of them being in their first year and doing it all online and, you know, um, not having connection with each other and also not having not necessarily having the spaces for BIPOC students to gather and and collectively share their experiences. So this is our third year and we do it like once a semester, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous program. I learned so much about I've learned so much about myself as a facilitator but also I learned so much from each participant and I think that's is just so beautiful. I I love holding the space and seeing the art that comes out of it. I love hearing the conversations and I'm, I'm honestly so filled with gratitude that I get to be a part of something so beautiful. Thank you for sharing your experience and I think that sounds amazing too. And I know that the most recent Beyond Word session involved making collages to help encourage people to explore and discuss their mental health. Would you be able to explain how making collages can help to promote this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, collage work is really wonderful. It's, it's, it's something that falls under that sect of art therapy. Um, it's basically, you know, for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with collage work or haven't done it since you were little, because it is something that we would do in school, I'm sure you remember. Um, it's just taking magazine scraps or, or scrapbooking supplies and, and glue and, and creating um, an image using all of these different kind of found items. Um, and and for this particular session, it was to create an image around mental health and how to discuss that or, or where is your mental health at. Because sometimes it's important to just check in with yourself um, and also have some support around. So collage work, there's just there's so many different um and there's there's a million different ways that you can do art therapy that and like and collage is just one of them but it's just like a really uh, it is a valuable art form it's very fun it's also really um not scary like i think that it really is something that anybody can do as even those people who are really afraid to create art because a lot of people are they hear art and they hear therapy and they're like no like i can't do it i can't do art and it's like art can be anything and so like having materials that are kind of pre-done you know you just have to rip you can rip the page you can get messy you know I always have glue fingers by the end you know it's all fun it's all part of the process that it takes some pressure off of um creating art and you can still like you can still walk away with a really gorgeous art piece but I always say that like the process is more important than the finished piece sometimes they're equal but like I really think that process of being together creating art and like having conversation, that is that wellness piece. That is that is the, like the most important piece. That sounds like a lot of fun for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds like something uh, even our listeners could easily do at home. Um, do you have any advice on how people could kind of do this sort of collage project on their own? Or Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So <laughs> one of the ways that I'm a like that I facilitate is I don't have a whole lot of rules. Like I'll give you some guidance. I'll have like a theme. Um, and then I'm just kind of like, okay, do what makes sense to you. What feels right for you? What images make sense? Like, you know, what do you want to do? Because that's part of the fun. That's part of the healing. That's part of the, like everything is just, this is a time, like this is something that you can do for you. You don't even have to show anybody it if you want to make something. But if you just get like some magazines, you know, even if like you don't have a lot of magazines, flyers, we all get those, um, some glue, scissors, you don't even need scissors. You can rip the papers. There's no rules. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings is there's no rules because in art there really isn't. Um, so you don't have to be afraid of it. Um, and collage is kind of one of those things. You get a blank piece of paper and you just start filling it with scraps of magazines. And um, if you have like found some cool things, sometimes I even um, for collage work, I'll even bring in like some like pressed cedar leaves or other leaves, like like natural materials because then there's like that little connection to the earth and um, grounding as well. So that's just kind of something that I do. So I encourage people sometimes to even just like go outside and walk around and find some fun things and create like a collage, like a living collage almost. It sounds like there's a lot that we could do with programs like these. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you had to pick maybe one or two things, what would be something that really stands out to you about working with programs such as Beyond Words? Hmm. So I think one of the one of the best things is just connection. So I, I actually really like my favorite thing to do is to facilitate groups um, in art therapy. So I love working with individuals. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's really gorgeous work as well. But when it comes to groups, supporting each other, lifting each other up, gathering together now that we're able to do that in person, like creating connection with our people, right? Like our like all of all people. So and I kind of can bring that back to that Ohandegar Wadekwa where that that prayer, that prayer of gratitude, the first thing we give thanks for is is people, is the people. And that means all people. So we give thanks to like we have our friends, we have our relations, like our our families, we have our partners, we have our communities. We give thanks to all of that. And so I think that just being able to gather and create art together and support each other, like when during the sessions um, near at the end, I invite people to share their work, share their work with the group if they're comfortable. I never force anybody to share their work because sometimes what comes up can be very personal. And so I want to keep it. A safe place. I don't want to force anybody to show their work if they're not comfortable. So I just invite them. I say, you know, if you're if you'd like to, we'd love to see your work. Um, and they have a chance to talk about it. And the things that really stood out to me, especially when we were virtual, was just the compliments. Like the chats would be just so filled with all of these like lovely words of support as each person presented their art. And I honestly don't think there was one person who who didn't like in in all of that like. Nobody chose not to. So even when it was vulnerable, even when it was really emotional for them, and there were some tears sometimes, they still shared because that space was, we were connected and we were all there with a good mind and we were all there together. Um, and I think that that's my favorite thing is just that, that we can be good to each other. That sounds beautiful. It really does sound like there's a lot of things that everyone can gain from participating in art therapy and from being engaged in these kinds of projects as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have some upcoming projects or programs that you'll be involved with in the near future? So 
Right now, um, it's just it's just beyond words is all I'm booked for, which is totally fine. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I love working with the Union Gallery. Everybody there is so lovely. Um, and I've just had such a great experience with that. And I hope that that relationship can just continue to, to flourish. Um, I did work with the Yellow House recently, uh, which was also another really great uh, experience. I had a really good night doing some paint pouring. Um, but uh, right now, only upcoming is Beyond Words. But um, I urge people to check that out. You can find that on the Union Gallery website. So, Melanie, I- I'm really curious. Um, what do you maybe see as some of the advantages of art therapy over other forms of maybe conventional spoken therapy that people might um, be more familiar with? Absolutely. Uh, so, like I said, um, Many of like most of the experiences we have in our life are stored in our brain with images with like so that sight, sound, smell, you know, touch, taste like that very visceral like in the body. So not often are we having our memories and that's being like text or like language across, you know, our brains. Um, We think about about those very like visual and like um, sensory things. So it makes sense to um, implement art into therapy because then we can reach those things and process them because not everybody's going to have the words to work through, like, like, especially things that happen to people because there are things that happen to people before they're even verbal. Like we have things that happen to babies and toddlers where they don't have the words to express what's going on or to process it. They don't have the, the skills to process it. Art, th- art therapy is great for all ages, which is wonderful. But when I think about adults who have gone through childhood trauma and during that trauma, that is what they need to be working through as an adult. They didn't have words to describe it. They didn't have the space to process it. They didn't have necessarily parents who were able to support them through um, experiences. Sometimes parents were the ones creating those experiences. Um, so in terms of that work, it's it's really beneficial um, to to pull in art. Like there, I've had clients in the past who have had um, things happen to them during their childhood that have responded really well to working with like crayons, to working with like those things that you think of like, oh, that's like kids' art supplies. But there's there's no rules with art. People can use whatever they want. And sometimes just like even like, you know, when you're a kid, you use crayons a lot and there's that scent. It takes them back to that space. So the the art materials, like the type that we're using, is sometimes so important to that therapeutic aspect, to that, like, getting them in that space to be able to work through those things, which is really cool. So I've had that happen. I've also had it um, had um, using cultural um, art and experiences and being on the land be really beneficial. And in mainstream counseling, um, and I mean mainstream counseling, like, even talk therapy, things like that. We don't always see that. That's also a very indigenized way of, of doing counseling is sometimes we just have counseling out on the land and we'd sit, we'd sit out in the land somewhere private and we would talk. Um, and sometimes we would also create art outside. Um, it would just depend on that client's needs. And that's the other really amazing thing about art therapy is that you can really create something for that individual and make them feel important because they are important make it very specialized to them and what they need. Um, and, and that's really gorgeous and because they are important and they deserve the best care. And so I always want to make sure that that, those clients know that. I think that's really beautiful too. I, I think it's interesting having gone through Ontario's elementary school system myself 
how much teachers often emphasize different styles of learning, whether you're a kinesthetic learner or visual learner, and they really uh, work to emphasize those different um, styles. And so when when you're discussing how art therapy can be so beneficial for certain individuals, I, I'm kind of curious why um, people aren't more aware of different forms of therapy, maybe less conventional, you know, not lying on a couch and having Freud asking you questions, uh, forms of therapy. Um, and maybe it would be really beneficial, especially um, taking lessons from COVID for people to recognize and, and utilize these um, forms of therapy like art. Absolutely. Um, I think you said it all right there um, that, yeah, there, it's, it, I think of it in that way too, where, you know, we're really coming to this place in education where we're like, oh, people are different learners. They learn in different ways and that's beautiful and starting to be celebrated. Um, and I think, and, and the same thing goes for anything in our lives, like, um, you know, in, in terms of different types of therapy, like for some, some kids, animal therapy is like the prime, like it is the best thing that you can do for some kids, especially nonverbal kids. Like it's, it's something that works really well for them and it can eventually like encourage them to, to be comfortable doing other types of therapy and, and continue on their healing journey. But that's like, like I've seen that work for kids. I've seen that work so well for kids and same with the art therapy. Like I have had clients, my youngest client was four years old and my oldest client has been in their seventies. So I've worked with clients of all ages, different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, and so with each of those clients, part of my work is really individualizing again, that, that plan of care and sometimes working with other, um, other team, like kind of like creating a team, a team of care. So sometimes I, I do work with a psychotherapist as well who's doing talk therapy and then we work with doctors or nurses or you know if they've if they've um um have um some kind of physical um health concern you know and so creating art in a way that's safe for that like there's just so so much you can do and so like we can pull in those different styles of care and all work together so it doesn't have to be like one or the other we can do like a whole bunch and then see what is helping where there really are a lot of different ways that people learn and that really work for people as well. How do you think we can better accommodate people who may need different kinds of therapy rather than simply the conventional therapy that my co-host mentioned? It's all about conversation. It's all about things like this, like just getting the words out there. Um, I think that those working in healthcare, those working in the, in the schools, um, I think just in general, I'm doing a lot of thinking here, but I really think that as art therapy really grows and people start experiencing it and they're like, oh, I've never done anything like this before. Like, this is really cool. I want to do this for this, you know, or I want to I want to tell my friend about this who does this kind of work. And it slowly kind of it slowly kind of spreads. So those who are working in healthcare, you know, healthcare seems so based in physical, which is so important because we know that the physical impacts mental, emotional and spiritual health and vice versa. But when we start thinking about all the other ways that we can help people, it's just about knowing what's out there. So just being like, as as an art therapist and as, uh, you know, a community mental health worker, it was my job. Like, I, I took it upon myself to, like, look and see what other things were, like, out there within, you know, it whether it be the county or Kingston or Belleville, like, this just whole region, and be like, oh, the, I know that there's animal therapy here, here, and here. So I can connect a client to this if that comes up. Or I know, oh, this person um, does naloxone training, and this is where somebody can get naloxone. 
I made sure that I knew what else was out there so that I could connect clients to that. So um, if it was something that would be beneficial to them. And so I think that's going to be the same way that this works is, you know, I I did actually at one point do um, an art therapy group with the um, School of Medicine and uh, and the coordinator for that. She just was like, I just want something. I want them to see this different way of being and different way of engaging. Um, And it was a really gorgeous session as well. And she was actually somebody who had participated in Beyond Words. And that's how she found out about that and brought it and uh, brought it into her um, faculty. So I guess just like word of mouth is sometimes the best. um, If you're working in healthcare, just like know some of the different things that are going on or like opportunities for client care. Just generally, Melanie, um, from your experiences working with all of these different groups, especially those in um, health fields, what do you think is the most common misunderstanding people have for art therapy? I think that one of the things, and I know a lot of my colleagues, like my art therapy colleagues are like, ah, those coloring books. But a lot of people are like, oh, you know, art therapy, any, like you don't need an art therapist for that. And you, you don't need an art therapist to enjoy art and create art and have a therapeutic response to it. But I think that sometimes it's brushed under that, like, oh, I, art therapy is just going and getting an adult coloring book because it says art therapy on it. And you can just do that. And like, that's all that we need. But it goes so much further beyond that. Because again, there's a psychotherapy element, there's um, a trained person working with you. There really are lots of ways that people can engage in art in a therapeutic way as well. So for example, we talked about making collages, and you brought up coloring books, for Mm -hmm. example. What other ways do you think people can engage in art in a way that can help to promote their mental health? So... There are so many ways. It's very exciting. Um, so one of the, the ways that I have recently been reading more about and uh, kind of implementing, because I, I ran a, a creative journaling program for women um, on the reserve, and it was so good. And it was just like, I got so many, so much good feedback. And I'm not doing that in a way of like patting myself on the back, because the women themselves were so wonderful to each other. They created a space and they didn't all know each other. Like you, on the res, everybody kind of knows each other, but like, they didn't all run in the same circles. So it was just like developing this like safe, beautiful space where women were lifting each other up. So um, and you don't have to be a woman to art journal. It's for everybody. It was just, that was just my specific focus was was for women that time. But I think that art journaling, something that you can incorporate words or visuals with is something that's so good. Uh, journaling in general is just really good, um, a really good way to kind of, it can track your moods, it can tr- it can just be really peaceful and enjoyable, you can write, you can draw, um, you can do it daily or weekly or whenever you feel like it, like there's no rules for it because it's about you and for you. Um, I also like, you know, you can go to the dollar store, I know students on a budget, I remember that very, very well, I'm still on a budget, but it's not as tight as it was when I was in university. Um but there's lots of um, art materials at um, the dollar store, like Dollarama. There's tons of things you can go and you can get some paints, um, you know, and do like grab a canvas and and just create something. And art, it doesn't always have to have this like big meaning. Like when we talk about art therapy, like there's a lot of like, you know, diving into the inner self and like exploring traumas and things like that. But when you're creating art on your own and using art as like a therapeutic tool on your own, you can just make art because you enjoy doing it. And it and that is the therapy part. It's something you enjoy. So that eases stress. It brings, you know, calmness. It brings clarity. And, and it's just as simple as that when it comes to creating art for fun. 
What you said just now really stood out to me, actually, because when we think of therapy, we often think of a response to trauma. Mm -hmm. However, I think it is more than that, too. We could also think of it in a way of prevention as well, in a way of emphasizing joy and doing our best to help promote that joy. So I was wondering, would you be able to share your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a wonderful way to look at it. Um, because a lot of the work that I did do in my different roles, so I was a youth worker for the longest, like the longest time, um, and a lot of that was preventative work. And so, um, sometimes people come to you after the trauma is over, and you figure it out from there. But sometimes, by employing skills and teaching people skills, teaching them about themselves, you, by using the art medium, by using counseling skills, by um, creating this self-dependent, like this um, strong sense of self that can help prevent things from happening in the future. So that can help prevent people from finding themselves in situations that are unsafe. Like, and that's, it's not always going to be, you know, it's not always going to stop us from having experiences because we'll always have experiences that are not great. But building skills in any kind of form of therapy, um, again, I speak as an art therapist, so I, I say, you know, art therapy, we build skills and um, it can teach you a lot about yourself. And then from there, it's, it, it is preventative work. Like it, it helps prevent certain things from happening or um, the ability to process your emotions. So um, if you if if you're like, oh, something, you know, not great happened to me today, I'm going to art journal instead of self-harm or, you know, it, it can be an alternative to other options of responding to things that aren't great. So it doesn't always have to be a huge trauma. Sometimes it's just getting triggered by a guy on the street with a bullhorn. Happened not that long ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it gives people skills, something else to turn to when life can be like, like when life gets tough. And also, you know, it can prevent the, the other things that people lean into when they're feeling upset, like, you know, you know, drinking or drugs or anything that kind of helps with that. And so this is a, he a healthier, healthier alternative to that. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important as well. It can help to equip people with resilience. Yes. So that way, when adversity does come, they feel more prepared to respond to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I believe we're heading toward the end of our show today. But before doing that, I just wanted to take the opportunity to ask you, Melanie, one last question. So it's a sad reality that here in Canada, many Indigenous Canadians do experience health inequities. And I was just wondering if you could provide us some insight to how some of your work has addressed these inequities. I can speak to my experience working in the mental health field as yeah, an Indigenous counsellor um, and with Indigenous, like my you know, 95% of my caseload is, um, was, were Indigenous um, people, um, or, and that other 5% were like spouses or, or um, other people living on, on the reserve. And so <clears throat> sometimes I was just an advocate, because there were times when I was working crisis, and weeks we had a crisis phone, and we still do have a, a crisis program, um, a 24 hour a day, seven days a week crisis um, number on the reserve, which is wonderful. And it's just been within the last few years. And there were times where I was working that and I had to take clients to the hospital for various reasons. There were many, many trips to the hospital in the middle of the night with people who called in needing support. And there were numerous experiences where it, they weren't taken seriously or they were treated 
you know, differently, um, where if I wasn't there as a str- as who I am and not, you know, a, 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 as an advocate, they wouldn't have received the care that they needed. And it, and it was because of how they were presenting with mental health, you know, how they were presenting as Indigenous people, you know, there were, there were ways that they were treated in not the best ways. There were other times where, where everybody was great, but there were those experiences that really stuck out to me that made me really sad because I'm not an, a visibly Indigenous person. Um, I have the privilege of, like, I'm, like, white passing. Um, and in some ways, that's not a privilege because there are judgments there as well of, like, my indigeneity. And I'm like, no, like, you know, Indigenous people don't always, like, look how they look in the movies or, like, you know, in the old Westerns. Like, we we come in so many different, like, ways now. And um, so me being there as an advocate and as a white passing advocate was, like, really big. And it helped people get the care that they needed. Um, And it's so... It's so unfortunate that that's even an issue. Um, I have had, you know, a lot, I've heard a lot of um, stories from other, like, coworkers as well of things like that happening. Um, I think it's getting better. I want to say it's getting better, and I hope it is. <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive. I think the work that you do is really important, and advocacy especially is very relevant now. How would you advise us and our listeners to be advocates for both ourselves and for others? I think one of the biggest things is just being able to be okay speaking up when something's happening. And it's really scary. It is it's scary to correct people or to like have big conversations. Like one of my biggest things is like let's just talk about it. Like I'll just say to people sometimes like hey, what's happening here? Can we talk about it? Or like, can we break it down? Um, Because sometimes that's all people need to be like, oh, wait, like maybe that came off weird. Or like, maybe I need to think about how I said that. Um, And sometimes there's a bigger issue there. Um, But in terms of advocacy, like (laughs) when I was at Queens in my undergrad, I was the shyest thing ever. Like, I don't know if I would be able to even do this like back then, like this would be something that I'd be like, no, I can't do that. Um, let alone advocate in tough situations or like with tough conversations, having tough conversations is tough. Um, I have learned how to like advocate. Advocating is not something that always comes easy. Sometimes it really does. And there are people whose personalities are just like, I'm just going to call this person out or I'm just going to have this conversation and we're just going to deal with it. But then there's other ways that, you know, you can advocate, you can support people's voices, you can support each other. And like, just person to person, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, one person is doing something, let's call them out. It can also just be like, supporting each other. Again, just having conversations like these, where we talk about some of the things going on in in all aspects of healthcare, or talking about like, you're asking me questions about art therapy in particular, and, you know, doing different programs, I think just having like spaces to have conversations like these is like the most important thing. So um, I appreciate you inviting me to come talk to both of you. And I hope that people learn something. I'm really passionate about art therapy. I'm really passionate about the Beyond Words program. I'm so excited that we're having another session in the winter. Um, It's just, it's gorgeous work. And I get to work with wonderful people and meet so many lovely participants. I'm really excited for it too. 
And this program is offered in person, I assume? It is, yes. We um, we were set up at Union Gallery this last time, and I believe that's where this next session will take place as well. That's great to hear. And if you're uh, interested in taking part or even just meeting your favorite podcast hosts, um, I think Tiff and I should be there as well. So it's a great opportunity for many reasons. Melanie, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. I really enjoyed listening to your experiences and hearing more about the work that you do as an art therapist working to help promote mental health. If I were to choose one thing out of the many things that we spoke about today that stood out to me, it would be the sense that art helps to foster a connection. And for me, this stands out because as a writer, I often think about art as an individual activity. But based on our conversation, I realized that art and writing as a form of art can really help to foster dialogue. And it's through dialogue that we can help to raise awareness of these different issues that affect people's health and be able to collaborate to do something about it, too. And this is something that I hope that our podcast, An Apple a Day, will also help to achieve by having conversations with people with different worldviews, different lived experiences, and different types of knowledge, we can hopefully help to address health inequities and raise appreciation of public health. And Melanie, I would like to thank you as well for coming out today and being our inaugural guest on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and getting to know more about the amazing work that you do. If I had to pick away one thing that really stood out to me about art therapy, it's just the beauty in how art and health and even culture really intersect with art therapy. And I know our podcast is more so about public health interventions, but I I think we all know that Canada is experiencing a bit of an epidemic when it comes to mental health woes. And so it's very much worthwhile for us to be investigating some of these alternative uh, treatments and in dealing with mental health and mental illness. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to an Apple a Day Public Health Inquiry podcast produced with the generous support of Queen's University's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. 101.9 FM CFRC is broadcast from Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek and Haudenosaunee peoples. For any questions, comments, feedback, or even just dropping a friendly hello, you can reach out to appleaday.php at gmail.com. Join us next time for Episode 2, where we'll learn about what it means to work in public health and discuss surprising ways that current events around us affect our health. Tune in next time at 101.9 FM CFRC.